Welcome back to the Music Teachers in International Schools podcast. I'm your host, Chris Kulmer, and I'm currently doing a PhD looking at the world of international school music teaching after having spent 13 years working as an international school music teacher in Argentina and Malaysia. Now, the MTIIS community has grown a lot since it began a year or so ago, and we are super happy about some of the international school specific professional learning opportunities that we now have on offer for the community, including our partnership with Musical Futures International. We recently hosted our first in-person big gig conference in Kuala Lumpur, which brought music teachers together from around the Asian region to explore the pedagogy of informal music learning and future-focused music ed ideas. There is lots more in the pipeline for this academic year, so please do join our very non-spammy bi-weekly newsletter via the website to keep up to date. Uh, so you can join that at mtiis.co and we'll get you up to date with everything. Now, on to the episode. This episode is the second of three installments of our Community Insights series. The first installment was very popular, so we're happy to be able to bring you this one. In this episode, we hear from four incredible music educators working in international schools around the world to find out a little bit about what they're up to, to learn from their experience and to build further connections with some of the amazing people working in our field. And today we have Emily Johnson, Scott Harbin, Jana Beydun and Paul Wright joining me. I'll introduce each individual and ask them three specific questions to help frame the conversations. Please enjoy and do share the episode if you find it valuable. Let's get into it. Okay, so next up I have Emily Johnson with me and she is an IB music and high school orchestra teacher at Seoul Foreign School in South Korea. I'm really excited to have Emily with me. How are you doing, Emily? Doing very well. It's our first day of school here, so I'm glad to be joining you thinking about the year ahead. Very cool. And as we were prepping for this recording, we had some students walk into the room doing a little uh, scavenger hunt. Yep, trying to find the band room. Nice. And if you're listening to this episode, great. If you want to, you can check out on YouTube and you can see behind Emily. We're not in the band room. Where are we? We're in the orchestra room. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, hopefully they've learned something on their scavenger hunt straight away. I'd love to throw a few questions your way. And the first one is, what are you looking forward to most about the 2023-24 academic year as an international school music teacher? Yeah, there's two things that I'm super excited about this year. First of all, like the return of travel. So we we were doing a little bit of it last year but not as much. And now we're, we're hosting, we're traveling, the rotation is in full swing and there's all of the things are back, the AMI, the APAC, the, our local things. So it's great to just look forward to all of these things with my students and to have them experiencing these things together and getting more of the team spirit back. So that's one thing I'm so excited about. And the other thing is maybe a little less exciting, but I'm very excited about more clarity in the marking of the diploma music course. Now that we've had one full cycle of uh, like regular or 
um, non-COVID assessment. I feel like I'm getting much more data back from the IB and much more clarity in what they're looking for and what we want our students to be learning in the goals of the course. So that's also really exciting for me as a diploma teacher. That's great. I'm sure a lot of the community would resonate with that that comment about the IB diploma. You're hosting this year or... I hosted last year for APAC Orchestra, which is like our regional conference. Um, And this year we're traveling to Hanoi for APAC Orchestra, which is exciting. Looking forward to getting to Vietnam. Nice. Have you been there before? I have personally, like for travel for fun. Uh, I haven't brought students there before. Sounds good. Let's, uh, Let's move on to my next question, which is what's one new idea that you plan to implement in your teaching this academic year? Uh, In my high school orchestra, my non-auditioned group, I'm planning to do more rotation of warm-ups. I went to the string teacher workshop at The Ohio State University this summer, and it was a really great opportunity. If any other string teachers are listening, you should go. It's a week of just nerding out with string teachers. It's really great. But what they introduced was this idea, one of the clinicians about rotating your warmups, doing one that's right hand, one that's left hand, and one that's like listening or breathing based. And I find that usually when I'm planning warmups or introductory activities in my rehearsals, I'm usually focused on how can I prepare for the repertoire. Uh, so if I have a piece in this key, I'll do scales in this key, but I just want to f- vary the focus a bit more and be less uh, less focused on the rep and more on all of the skills that support the rep. Mm. Did you get any specific resources from that conference workshop that you're going to be using? I have a lot of them already as like kind of like the level three of like essential elements or all about strings. Those ones is what I've been working through, but there was a teacher from Atlanta that I should know his name. Oh, Jim Palm. (laughs) And he did a lot of like fiddle tunes that he would teach by ear and I don't do a lot by ear in my orchestra room, but that's the main way that I like to learn music when I'm not in my orchestra room. So it, I'm going to be using a lot more just fiddle tunes that are available online and writing really basic accompaniment patterns and teaching those all in sections. You know, a nice 10, 15 minute warm up where they all learn the supporting pattern, they all learn the melody, and then we go back and forth. So not not necessarily specific resources, but there's a lot of fiddle tunes that are accessible online for free. Yeah. And like you said, it sounds like you just want to integrate more variety in general, even if it's stuff you've already used. Yes. Nice. Okay. Big question for you. In your experience and understanding, what would you say makes a good international school music teacher? I think the best international school music teachers I've known and seen are those who are really interested in the host country and understanding their surroundings and the culture around music, but also the culture outside of music. Just wanting to be connected, wanting to understand, wanting to approach belonging. I know um, as a foreigner where I live, there's no way that I will ever completely belong, but there is a way to be respectful and to be involved and understanding. And I think If you can incorporate local music in your curriculum, that also makes a really great uh, international music educator, but it's not always possible due to disciplines and what's written and what's accessible. So I think the interest and the desire is what matters most to students in the community. Have you managed to do that, would you say? A little bit. 
Mm. I did a unit on Korean music in MYP. I have a combined four or five class, so grades nine and 10. And we did a unit on Korean music where we learned a lot about traditional Korean music. And then they had freedom to take elements of that and put it into their own composition. So we ended up with a lot of stuff that didn't sound like traditional Korean music, but you could see their understanding and their new knowledge and the new instruments in there. And I was really impressed with a lot of their work. And I especially loved the conversations that were happening between my students who identify as Korean and my students who are newer to Korea. And we had some local artists come in and give discussions and presentations about you know, the history behind the instruments, the history behind the different types of Korean music. And just the the conversations that they were having together and with these experts were so valuable. Really interesting to see. Love it. I wish I was in the room for that. <laughs> so great. Um, and one, if you're interested in Korean music, one of the international music teachers here has a website, The Spirit of Samul Nori. And she does a lot of, she is writing a book all about making traditional Korean music accessible in the general music classroom. So I used a lot of her stuff. It's really good. Maybe we can get a link to that and add it to the show notes for people if they want to explore. Yes. Yeah, I'll send that to you. Brilliant. That'd be great. Sounds fantastic. Emily, thanks so much for exploring these questions with me. And I'm just hoping it will be inspiring to others as we're all kind of in this same, I don't know, boat, I guess, for thinking about the year ahead. And I think there's some gold in, in what you've shared today. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on, share questions, thoughts before we wrap up? Just that I love staying connected with other music teachers because I think we can get so isolated being kind of the kind of the weirdos in our on our campus. You know, a lot of people think, oh, they're a little weird. They have their own building or they're down at the end of the building. But just to stay connected to other music teachers, I think, is so important. The shared office, the Twitter, the listening to podcasts, the Facebook groups. I just really value all of those. Well, thanks so much again, and I look forward to staying in touch. All the best with the year ahead, with the travel and, yeah, the APAC conferences. It sounds really exciting, and, yeah, all the best for the year ahead. Thanks so much. This has been great. All right, so next up is Scott Harbin, and he is working as a middle school and high school band director at the United Nations International School of Hanoi in Vietnam, and I'm really excited to have Scott on for this this little segment so we're going to hit those three questions and the first one scott well before i get to the first question how you doing <laughs> i'm great yeah thanks so much chris it's good to be it's my first time being on a podcast so i'm excited to be here great um you certainly look the part you got the headphones you're all ready <laughs> i spent enough time teaching online that i figured out you know it let, how important it was to have headphones on zoom and all that <laughs> good good yeah nice all right so yeah question one i'd love to know what you are looking forward to most about the 2023-24 academic year as an international school music teacher uh i'm really excited for the students to come back um there's a really awesome energy around music at my school and a really great culture of students wanting to be involved. So I'm, I'm very excited just to, just to see the students again. Um, I'm excited for some of the performances that we have lined up, um, even just our concerts here at the school, but some of the honor band opportunities that my students will have in Hong Kong and in Japan. But I think I'm most excited to have students back in my classroom making music together and having that 
really positive energy uh, come back here um, that I felt last year and, and I'm looking forward to rekindling. Mm. So you're saying last year you, you had the students in the class with you, right? I did. It was two years ago that we were mostly online. Um, but then last year I did have the students back in class. And prior to teaching overseas, I've, I've only taught in Canada, uh, which was great. I had a great experience teaching there and I learned a lot of things at the school that I was at. But when I arrived uh, to this school in Hanoi, I just felt a, a fresh energy, a maybe a more positive culture about around music, um, students willing to sort of work harder in, in what, what felt like the students were willing to work harder. So last year was a really fun year for me. Uh, and now that I know what a school year feels like in the international teaching world at this school specifically, I'm excited to kind of have a year where I feel a, a bit more confident about what's coming um, with the energy of the students that I, I know is there. Yeah, got you. Nice. Well, that's exciting. So do you have one new idea that you plan to implement this coming academic year? The big thing I'm focusing on this year is student leadership, especially at the high school level. I'm managing middle and high school by myself. So I realized two things last year. One, I'm doing a lot of things alone. And there are a lot of things that I'm doing that I shouldn't, I don't necessarily need to be doing. And two is that I have these wonderfully motivated and, and helpful students. So towards the tail end of last year, I worked with the students and with some other adults at the school to build a framework for student leadership in the high school band program. And I have a great, like it was ended up being difficult to choose the students who would fill those roles because there were so many who were enthusiastic and keen. So yeah, I'm really excited to have students take leadership over sectionals, um, over the logistical aspects of our rehearsals and over uh, just helping each other sort of throughout the, the school day and in the band room, uh, managing our li library and things like that. For those who are listening, you would have heard some nice uh, movement of gear, I think, in the background. You're at school. You're back at school now, but students are on their way back? Yes, we've got our faculty here for orientation this week, and we'll have students here next week. Yeah, and the, uh, the nice sounds of the music room. Well, um, those ideas sound really cool. And student leadership, yeah, that's, that's a really fascinating idea to focus on have you had a time previously like you mentioned back in canada where you had student leaders really involved that you want to implement some ideas from or is this completely new for you we had so sort of two things when i was a student myself in high school we had a really strong music council and our teachers empowered us to do a lot of i went to a public school so we did a lot of fundraising but we've also managed and ran events by ourselves uh, and then one thing i've noticed is we, I'm, we're at a very well-resourced international school which is fantastic and that means that we have staff who do a lot of the things that I was used to doing as a student. So part of it is me wanting to give the students the tools that they need to be able to be functional when they're not in an environment where there's adults, yeah. well, as they become adults themselves, I guess. And then at my previous school in Canada, we didn't necessarily have a super strong music leadership program, but we had a very strong student voice throughout the entire school. Um, students leading assemblies, students planning new initiatives, uh, and, and I was able to see the power of that and, and what the students got themselves from learning how to do those sorts of things and the benefit that they gave to the school. Um, so I want to combine my experience as a student in a great music council environment with what I saw in full school student leadership at my school in Canada. Cool. Well, that sounds exciting. I'll be keen to hear how it all goes once you sort of get it started and embedded. Yeah, I've already been emailing with one of the students a little bit during the summer, trying to make sure that she gets a good break and that I took a good break as well. But she's enthusiastically responding and getting things set up. So I think we're all we're all excited for that. Good to go. Cool, Scott. Well, um, 
My big question that I really like to ask people, because it's kind of nuanced, it can, it's a lot of subjectivity potentially in there, so we'll give it a go. What, in your understanding experience, makes a good international school music teacher? I thought about this one a little bit. You shared the questions in advance, and what I've found in a just in it's just been two years so far, or three years, like my, starting my third year here. Uh, but I think flexibility is really, really important. Just from a, you know, as a band director, you're often thinking a couple years ahead and thinking about the students you prepare in middle school to fill certain roles in the ensemble in high school, perhaps. But we have so much more transience in the international school community mm. than I experienced when I taught in Canada. So being ready for 20 to 30% of our students to leave every year. And sometimes some of the students who might be core members of your ensemble, both either from the musicianship point of view or an attitude point of view or both, but then also being ready to get new students, get new students halfway through the year. We accept beginners at any grade level, uh, which I think is the right thing to do, but obviously that adds additional challenges. So I think flexibility, open-mindedness, and not being, not being rigid to maybe what your experience was growing up or stuck in any sort of rut, I think. Mm. Nice. Well, thanks so much. I mean, you gave us so much information just in that little short snippet of conversation. We've got some exciting stuff happening for the year. Can I just ask a question from two questions ago? You mentioned the honor band stuff overseas. Is that a new thing or how is that happening for you? Is it something you've organized yourself or tell us more about that? We're part of the Asia Pacific Activities Conference, the APAC, which is APAC. called yeah, APAC. Um, so that is an opportunity, like a sort of a guaranteed opportunity where we have a set of uh, 16 students a little bit fewer or more depending on the specific instrumentation. So that's already set. We've got our conference of schools and I know that that's happening in Japan. It's just a question of us selecting which students will go. And then we, uh, through the AMI honor ensembles, we had our first students from my school go last year to the Asian middle school honor band, which took place in Mumbai. So this year, the Asian middle and high school honor bands are happening in Hong Kong. Don't know yet if we'll have students going, but we're optimistic, especially given the energy that the students brought back from India last year. And I think, I don't know, again, I'm, I'm relatively new to AMI. I think having the middle and high school Asian honor bands is not necessarily a new thing, but I know it's been a few years during COVID that they didn't run. Mm. Okay. I think we might leave it there unless you had anything else you want to share, any thoughts, any final ideas before we wrap up? I guess the only other thing that, well, one of the other things I'm really looking forward to is also I've, sp I've spent a lot of my time here exploring Vietnam and I love this country now. So there's always that aspect of uh, planning the next holiday or the next cool local experience when you're working abroad as well. So I'm, I'm so excited about that. I'm, I'm as excited about that as I am about um, <laughs> the teaching side of things, I think. <laughs> it's amazing how often I have conversations with music teachers working around the world and we end up talking about food. <laughs> instead of music <laughs> or like this cool place or that place where we went hiking or whatever so uh i think you completely warranted dropping that one in there as well oh, yeah i never thought i'd be doing motorbike road trips across you know rural vietnam and, and experiencing yeah beautiful scenes and and wonderful people and such delicious food so mm. very fortunate yeah it's amazing well thanks so much scott and i really look forward to keeping in touch and hearing how the year goes and uh again thanks for your time thanks chris i'm looking forward to to listening to this okay next up i have with me yana Beidun, who might be a familiar face to some or at least a familiar voice if you're listening to the podcast she is the head of expressive and performing arts at kajunkiet international school school phuket that's a bit of a mouthful but maybe you can 
pronounce it better than me. Um, and of course, that's in Thailand. And you might remember Jana from episode 14, which we titled From Slovakia to the World, Being a Non-Dominant Passport Holder and British Style vs. IB. It was quite a cool conversation. I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, listen to the recording and editing was it was good fun. I quite enjoyed that one. So if that interests you, you can jump back to episode 14. But we got Jana on today to um, explore a couple of things. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Chris, for having me again. I'm hoping that um, you will enjoy our little chat again today, and especially the editing and uh, that I can uh, pass across a message. And uh, if uh, there's anything I can do to help other teachers, I would, would be very happy to do so. That's so cool. And I love that about you. You're always super open to helping people. So do get in touch with Yana if you have any questions about international schooling and different curricula and you can find her details all over the place. We might drop them in the show notes as well for people to find you easier. Cool. Yana, let's go into question one. And I've been asking a whole group of people the same questions because I think they're quite nice to uh, frame the year ahead. So what are you looking forward to most about the 2023-24 academic year as an international school music teacher? Well, first of all, I always love making connections uh, with the new students who join our school, or the new parents. I was new last year, so everything was new. Everyone was new for me. And I know that I still haven't met everyone. And we have got a whole bunch of new kids who joined and new staff that um, I always like talking to and exchanging our experiences. And then you figure out, as you're talking to someone, it's, oh my God, you know the same people we used to teach at the same school and you were there at a different time and or, or you were in the same country and uh, or I bumped into you at the, one of the PD uh, workshops. So it's always nice to make these connections. And, uh, and speaking of uh, PD, uh, I'm looking forward to joining some new professional development courses where I can uh, uh, reconnect with people or meet new people who will um, teach me something. Or maybe I will teach them something about teaching music or leading a department. And so I can make some impact on my students' lives and my parents' and my colleagues' uh, lives in general. So, um, and obviously working internationally, I'm looking forward to exploring new places. So there will be a little bit of traveling involved this year, which is always easier when you are working abroad. So all of this, all of the new possibilities and uh, new connections and new friendships, new ideas, all of that, that would be great. That leads perfectly into the next question, because you mentioned new ideas. What is one new idea that you plan to implement in your teaching this year? I don't have a new idea completely. I always come up with some ideas. There's always a lot of music involved. And I this year I want to do more practical music even than I did last year. But what I always try is to make sure that no matter how much much experience my students have with music or how little experience or how much they like it or they don't like music, is just to make sure that they have fun and then they enjoy and that it changes once they walk out of my classroom, it changed the day for better. I had a kid coming today, the brand new student, and first thing he said, I don't like music. That was the first thing he said. And I said, oh, okay, here we go. So that's my motto. Doesn't matter how much you like it or don't, you don't like it. Just have fun and go with it. 
go big or go small, but go. That's my friend says that. And uh, I, I am sticking by his motto and I think it's really great. So, yeah. I like that motto. Go big or go small. Just go. I thought you were going to say go big or go home, but I like your one better. I know. That's, that's what he changed. And I, I really liked it. Uh, he's an MMA fighter. And that was, he did a podcast with my friend. He, that's exactly what he said. And I, I keep telling it to everyone. Go big or go small. Just go. And, and it's so applicable to music, right? Because some kids come and you've got students in your class who are extremely experienced um, uh, either singer or instrumentalist. And then you have these other kids who seem a bit uh, or feel a bit intimidated by all of that. So it must be my priority to make sure that everyone has fun. And it doesn't matter how big or how small they go. They just go. <laughs> Love it. Jana, in our long episode, episode 14, we explored the question, what makes a good international school music teacher? And before we started recording just now, you were like, no, I think I've got some new ideas maybe. So what do you think? What do you think currently uh, makes a good international school music teacher? I think it's not only international, but any teacher. We had this uh, also professional development recently and we were asked the same question by our VP saying, what do you think makes a good teacher? And I said, someone who never stops exploring the possibilities and new options and, and learning. And it comes out that apparently that's true, that a uh, good teacher is the one who never stops learning. And I see it, uh, how I approach my teaching and my life, that I'm always trying to learn something new. I always go and learn something about new music technology because there's so much going on. I'm looking for new books or, or make new connections. I just, you know, once you stop and you kind of plateau on one place and you don't move, then it's, it's a bit sad because there's so many new things that are around us, not only in teaching. So I think what makes a good teacher is the one who never stops learning, never stops improving, never stops making uh, steps forward to reaching new goals. Very cool. Jana, thanks so much for joining me. It's always cool to chat. Did you have anything else you wanted to touch on, share any ideas before we wrap up? Oh, now you caught me by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I just would like to say thank you to everyone who reached out to me, especially through either listening to the podcast we did together or just uh, following me on my LinkedIn or my Facebook uh, page, which I'm still working on. It's called In Tune with Yana, uh, where I'm trying to offer help to anyone who is either brand new to teaching music in international schools or is trying to make the leap of faith and go from their uh, country of origin and go to international schools. or just changing curriculum. And I, I've recently had a lot of people reaching out to me with questions about IGCC music. So uh, I just want to say thank you for believing in me. And I hope that uh, any advice I give you is uh, well received and it's uh, useful. And if anyone wants to chat about anything, I'm free. So um, please reach out. You're a legend. Thanks, Yana. And I'm looking forward to catching up again sometime this year, hopefully at an event somewhere, maybe some MTIS uh, PD or I don't know. There's lots of things happening. So let's see where we catch up again next. Good. Lovely. Great. Thank you Thanks. so much. So next up is Paul Wright, who is a middle and high school music teacher from the American School of Doha in Qatar. And uh, I've seen Paul around the traps online. I'm really excited to have a bit of a chat about these three questions that we've been digging into. So thanks for joining me, Paul. 
Thanks, Chris. Yeah, lovely to meet you uh, in person for the first time or online anyway. But uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, offering my little bit of input. Yeah. Fantastic. And for those who are watching this, and I didn't preface this in our pre-recording chat, but you got a football stadium model behind you. Did you make that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's an old, some, showing my age. When I was a kid, there's a, um, a game in the UK and a bit of Europe as well called Sabutio, which is uh, it's like a tabletop flicking game that I used to play as a little kid. And part of my lockdown project, you know, we all did our own little projects, didn't we? Got back into hobbies and things during the lockdown, was to dig all my old toys out and get my uh, sort of nine-year-old son involved. So this, that's, that's this, uh, my music rehearsal slash studio slash office is also now our table football room as well. <laughs> so that's, that's what that is. <laughs> that's great. So if you're listening to this, maybe just jump onto the YouTube version and then you'll get an idea of what I'm talking about. So we've got these three questions and let's let's crack into it. The first one that I'd love to know is what is one new idea that you would like to implement in your teaching this academic year? Um, as part of my uh, PhD research, I'm, I'm getting into sort of cultural diversity and music education and I've, I've come across um, Patricia Campbell's World Music Pedagogy, which is a way of incorporating a more broader perspective of musics around the world through listening activities connected with practical activities of, of playing and things like that and i've um my professor my supervisor professor alexandra Dria kurtz wetzel in in munich gave me a few books on the world music pedagogy that pat campbell read. i read them was really inspired and then took part in a, a seminar over the summer whilst well, i was on vacation and it's just I, i've always been very interested i mean the the majority of my teaching is at the moment is is band related it's you know the american high school band or american middle school band and what i've tried to do a lot is incorporate other aspects of musical learning and musical practical activities to make it more than just learning repertoire for concerts so there's a lot of improvisation there's a lot of small group work there's a lot of challenges that you wouldn't necessarily associate with learning repertoire for a concert to broaden the students kind of experiences and musical learning and stuff so and one of those areas that i've got into is music of other cultures um and not just not just the, the playing music of other cultures but learning in the way that those other cultures learn so a lot of oral learning a lot of kind of working out from a recording and copy each other and all that kind of stuff rather than here's a piece of sheet music play it so I'm looking forward to applying a lot of the practical things that, that that world music pedagogy seminar has kind of opened my eyes to and trying to get them involved in, in the band and the instrumental programs that I'm that I teach. That sounds like a pretty exciting challenge. I'm just thinking about typical band programs being reading sheet music kind of centric. Do you yeah. have any ideas that you want to share about how you're going to try and do that oral informal, I guess, approach of world music pedagogy with a band? Well, I mean, one example is I do this New Orleans Mardi Gras kind of second line band tune where instead of saying, here's the music, which is culturally completely out of context for, for how that mu how those musicians in New Orleans learn. It, instead, I'm like, okay, here, learn this bass line. So I'll teach them a bass line with the trombone that you can just see over there. And they'll, through oral learning, they'll, they'll copy that. So they have the whole band playing this bass line. Bom, 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 bom. So I, through that, I'll then teach like the blues sequence. So change the pattern, but change, you know, from B flat, D and F to E flat, G and B flat, you know, and change that and teach them the, the blues sequence until that's 
fairly solid in their heads, memorized. Then here's the tune, learn the tune, da, 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 play, play them the tune. Again, it takes time, but that's something that they then pick up gradually. So now every member of the band has the bass line, every member of the band has the, the, the melody. I'll teach them brief like little riffs and things like that. And then I'll say, right, groups of six, groups of five into the practice rooms. And they are then using the material that we've kind of learned orally, you know, to arrange their own piece and then come back half an hour later with their version of that tune. So it's, you know, it's that kind of approach, that kind of using oral learning, but giving them the kind of the, here's the material, now you go and craft it, rather than here's a nice piece of paper with everything done for you, all you need to do is learn how to play those dots. And it's that, it's that mindset and mentality that I've been sort of trickling into the band already that would make that approach not too alien to them and not too sort of challenging or, you know, worrying for them to do. Great. That sounds exciting. Really, really cool. Okay. My favorite question, the big one, <laughs> what makes to you and your context, your experience, what do you think makes a good international school music teacher? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, it's, it could be huge in scope, this, or very, very little. To be honest, I don't think there's any difference between a good international school music teacher and a good domestic national, whatever you would call someone who just stays in their own country. I think a good music teacher is a good music teacher. And I think some of the things that you, we have to be more mindful of as international school teachers are starting to become, you know, cultural diversity being the biggest topic, I think, is starting to be hugely relevant in domestic schools and national curriculums as well. I think it's all about sort of dispositions and skills, really. But I think dispositions over skills, I think how your mind set is set up and your personal characteristics is probably more important than the skills you have as a musician. I'm very proud that before as a, before a teacher, I was, you know, as a professional trombone player in London, I played in big orchestras, I played in the West End, I wrote music, I conducted, I was very proud of the level I attained as a performer. But I think versatility is more important than depth of skill in a specialized narrow field when it comes to this kind of this kind of teaching. So I think the dispositions that you might have, I think a constant reflection um, and willingness to kind of reconstruct your philosophy of music education is important. I talked earlier about having, you know, this is how I feel music education should be taught. I think that changes in time, over time, depending on the students in front of you, the colleagues you have, the school you're in, the culture you're in. There's no such thing as I have a, I, you know, I have a philosophy of music education, it's this. And then that gets forced into every single teaching scenario you have. I think that's that's not right. So a constant reflection is important. With that, a willingness to engage with research is really important. Obviously, you know, you're a PhD student. I I am too. Not all music teachers are, but I think it's very very important that that international school music teachers, particularly in a growing field like international education, are up to date as much as they possibly can with the research that's going on in their field. I think that's important. I think, yeah, one of the one of the things I've learned as well is is decentralizing my music in my teaching. So, for example, I, I was crazy fan of Maynard Ferguson, who was a screaming high trumpet guy, a Canadian trumpet player. I love Marla, too. Um, I love the Eval Brass Quintet and I love I don't know, Huey Lewis's Power of Love from Back to the Future. But that's not it's not irrelevant to my students, but it's certainly not something that I would build 
a curriculum on because it's not as relevant to them as it is to me or, or as close to me. So I think decentralizing, you know, making it clear that there aren't any universal rules of music that we should follow in our class. And, and the vernacular that you use for that as well. So, you know, notation systems, terminology, even like instrument families, you know, if we say we write music this way and then introduce students to the staff notation as though that's the uniform, that is the way music should be, then that's, for me, that's wrong because it's the vast majority of musicians in the world never learn music that way. And I think it's important that we, we are mindful of that as teachers, that it's, we don't centralize how we learn because the vast, I think the majority of music teachers are Western, you know, classically trained musicians of the huge, I would imagine most are, but we can't necessarily teach with that perspective. So I think, I think having this kind of openness to other cultures, even if we're not as familiar with them is very important. And then also a curiosity about those other cultures. That's important. And I think being humble as well, you know, if you ask me about trombone playing and, you know, recording film soundtracks, then yes, I could argue I'm a, an expert in that field. I'm a, you know, definitive voice in that field of many, but I'm not an expert in all musical fields. And I think, I think any teacher that stands in front of the, the students and say, right, I'm giving you this knowledge from an expert's opinion position. That's an approach that we have to avoid as music teachers as well. We, we are in a constructivist environment. We are, we're not delivering a curriculum. We're sort of facilitating their journey on it. And it's absolutely fine for us to make it, to make it clear that we are not experts. We have probably a little bit more knowledge than they do right now, but we are, it's an exploration that we're going with you. We're not just forcing you into knowledge that we've already aligned up ready for you so that's that's mainly dispositions that kind of the, the, the mindset of the teacher i think they're important and there are i mean i think that's more important than the skills you have but i think there's sort of a couple of areas that skill wise are important i think being creative as a music teacher is very important i think music teachers need to be able to actively compose and create not necessarily big works of music with sheet music flying everywhere and orchestras and so just creating whatever genre they like i think i think you know we're talking about how important creativity is in music education music teachers should also be creating themselves and then finally connected to the the world music pedagogy i think it's important to use and also value oral methods of learning you know we, we sort of prioritize the notation the written and we see that as almost elite and that's that's the high level and and, and learning from ear is like a lower level kind of there's too much, there's too many music teachers that do that. I think that, you know, there's more musicians in the world that learn that way than learn from notation. So I think it's important for music teachers to develop that, those skills themselves, be able to listen to something and work something out and, and, and all that kind of stuff, and then promote it within your students as well. So yeah, pick what you like out of all that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for, for really thinking deeply on that. Cause there's so much gold there that I think lots of people could, could pick from, you know, there's some really nice stuff. I know we've got these three questions and we wanted to keep this short, but just, I'm guessing that some people might be interested since you mentioned the PhD thing, could you take us quickly to your PhD and just give us an outline of what are you studying and yeah, what's your topic and how does it maybe relate to international school music teaching? Well, it's, uh, it's 
basically I'm looking at cultural diversity in music education within edu international schools. I have been an international school teacher for 12 years, 13 years now. And the, t the two, the three main schools I worked at, the, the three worked in three, but two of those schools were very much a kind of a curriculum that was sort of forced on the students in the school because that's what was done in the country of the origin. And I, I sort of learned that it's, we're not teaching the students in front of us. We're sort of trying to, it's like square peg round hole. We're trying to get, this is the way we do it. Here is the, the big mix of cultures and, you know, ethnicities and ideas and student context. And we're trying to force it into this curriculum. Whereas I think adapting it to them curriculum adapting to them is more important so that's what that's kind of where i've got to with my philosophy of my own music education so i'm thinking well what are other people doing um, i'm a member of various social media groups and i see some great teaching ideas and great things that people are doing and i'm just like i'd love some conversations with those people so i'm basically to, to cut it all short i'm basically talking about what are teachers doing in their international school music programs from a cultural diversity perspective how are they addressing cultural diversity whether it's curriculum content or approaches to students or inclusion methods that kind of thing i've based a bit of my research on i don't know if you know um hype skip skippers he, uh, he talks about sort of assessing how your uh, curriculum is set up whether it's monolingual it's like a, a continuum a mon monolingual multicultural intercultural and transcultural ways of doing things mm. um so i'm sort of looking at they might my plan is to look at international school music programs and and seeing where they might fit on that continuum and skippers is kind of the seminal work or one of the seminal works on this field in cultural diverse, culturally diverse music yeah and and another another sort of framework i'm including as well is melizzo's music education is global education it's the argument basically that music is such a wonderful way of understanding other cultures and getting an insight into other cultures and being able to kind of connect you know make bridges between cultures through musical engagement mm. so for me because that's that's a, you know that's a fact as far as i'm concerned and and so how are schools fostering that and then the final kind of part of it is what insight can music teachers international school music teachers give to institutions of teacher training, you know, which are often nationally based and domestic based, mine certainly was in the UK. What insights can they give to prepare teachers for international teaching and multicultural teaching and, and, and you know, that kind of thing as well? Because I didn't really address very much in my, in my teacher training program. And I'm pretty sure a lot of other teachers are in a similar boat and you kind of learn it as you go. Well, what, you know, as you go, you pick up experience and knowledge. What, what can you pass on back down the line to the teacher trainers and things like that. So that's the that's the kind of the three the three areas. The what are, what's going on in music international schools for cultural diversity? You know, how are they using music to broaden people's perspectives of diversity and cultural interaction? And then what practical feedback can be given to institutions for teacher trainers and things like that about international schools? Sounds great, Paul. Really excited about that project. And um, before we started recording, we were talking about how exciting it is that there is some people doing research in this field. And there has been, you know, we've had Jennifer Walden on the yeah. podcast before, who's done some amazing research in international schooling and music education. And yeah, I'd just like to encourage anyone who's thinking about doing some research to to pursue it because it's um it's a really exciting area so i'm sure people might want to get in touch with you paul just to learn more about your project you're very welcome i'm, I'm 
part of my research will involve some um, some site visits to schools that I'm going to start inviting, you know, to asking if I can come and see you for a week. But I'll also be sending surveys out. I'd be interested in, you know, to oh, get perfect. data. So surveys really as well. Cool. Anyone who's responsive to that kind of research and would be happy to, you know, engage with me about it, I'd be very grateful for conversations with. So yes, yeah, definitely. Nice. Well, thanks for joining me for the uh, these three short questions that have turned into probably a podcast episode on their own, but I've really enjoyed it. And um, I know the audience will, yeah, will definitely take some little bits of gold out of this one. So appreciate it. And uh, really looking forward to keeping in touch and all the best with the year ahead. Like I'm excited Great. to hear how your your new initiatives go and the world music pedagogy integration sounds really exciting. Thanks for your time and um, look forward to chatting again soon. Great. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Music Teachers in International Schools podcast. Listen to other episodes by visiting mtiis.com or learn more about our community on Facebook by simply searching for Music Teachers in International Schools. If you know someone who you think I should get on the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me at chriskulma.com, C-H-R-I-S-K-O-E-L-M-A. See you next time.